Welcome to Dog Training Disrupted by Upward Dogology, where I retrain your brain and introduce you to the world of cognitive behavioral therapy for dogs over the age of six months. So before I get started on this episode, I want to talk about the overhaul I did on season one and season three of this podcast. Season one initially resonated with dog owners and clients, which was great, but industry experts and trainers were not gravitating to it. So I took a different approach. It focuses more on the platforms, goals, and design, essentially the psychology behind conditioning methodologies and those of cognitive behavioral therapy and how those affect success with different dogs. I use examples and correlations to explain why it is necessary to leave the mindset and principles associated with conditioning methods in order to understand CBT. Otherwise, it's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So for example, if you're always looking for that reinforcement, it's impossible to grasp how CBT works. I also edited season three, which discussed counter-conditioning and impulse control because they were trending topics. I am familiar with these. I know what they are. I know the psychology behind them. Some people were questioning my knowledge on them and whether I was actually doing those. No, CBT is different than those. And I do understand them, but they're not my area of expertise and they're not the reason for this podcast. So I switched those up to, again, talk more about CBT, and I feel that that's more why people are at this podcast. So please check those out. They cover some really interesting points on how CBT relates to you and your dog. So for this episode, this is all about the adolescent stage. If you are struggling with behavioral changes in your adolescent dog, it is not your fault and you're not alone. The adolescent stage beginning at approximately 6 to 8 months and ending around 16 to 24 months can prove frustrating and challenging for even the most experienced dog owners. The most common advice that of, quote, exercising patience because the stage will pass, unquote, can be challenging when nothing is working, unwanted behaviors are increasing, and you feel defeated. By changing the way in which we view this stage from a regression in obedience to a progression in cognitive abilities. The adolescent stage becomes an opportunity to increase our bond and improve our relationship with our dog. One does not need to be an expert to recognize when a dog is flipping you the bird or suddenly acting like the guy at the party with the lampshade on his head. Your dog, who excelled at puppy class and was treat-motivated and eager to learn, suddenly poo-poos treats, decides sitting is stupid, and the squirrel in the tree deserves a full-blown lecture. Even though your dog knows it is wrong to chew, he or she suddenly shows a renewed interest in your socks and underwear. The high-value treat is simply not a good enough incentive to come when called or ignore the family cat. You are at your wit's end and you have no idea what to do. In this episode, I talk about why common techniques grounded in conditioning methodologies fail to prevent or address behaviors associated with the adolescent stage and how harnessing their cognitive skills can make this stage bonding and rewarding. Hello, I'm Billy Groom, expert in canine cognitive behavioral therapy and successful dogologist for over three decades. So why do these changes in behavior occur around the adolescent stage? 
Why do dogs who have had little, if any, trauma in their lives and are well-socialized and friendly suddenly rebel? Studies performed by scientists suggest the adolescent stage is a product of brain development that can lead to change in behaviors often perceived as disobedient or ill-mannered. Yet are they? Perhaps we perpetuate these annoying behaviors chalked up to the adolescent stage by continuing to implement methods which the adolescent dog has outgrown. The following example was shared with me during one of my many conversations with child development and parenting experts to explain the need to adapt the way we work with children as they develop cognitive skills in the early stages. This is my version of the example. Three-year-old Sarah learns the physical act of sharing consists of taking some of her crayons over to her brother, Tommy, so he can also color. When she does this, Tommy is happy and her parents praise her. Sarah learns through positive reinforcements, the act of sharing is an acceptable behavior that works in her favor. Sarah understands what sharing is and that sharing is something she should do. But now that she is four years old, sharing has a larger meaning. It means more than simply the act of taking crayons to her brother. She begins to question why she should share. What happens if she doesn't share? Does she have a choice? Sarah decides sharing her crayons is not in her favor, and she refuses to share. Her parents have a few options. One, encourage her to share by offering a high-value reward, such as a new coloring book. Two, discourage her from refusing to share by taking away her crayons and coloring book. Or three, progress their parenting techniques to ones which acknowledge Sarah's ability to think, reason, and process. Options one and two adhere to the principles of operant conditioning, whereas option three adheres to the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy. As with operant conditioning, which positive reinforcement training and balance training are grounded in, CBT is a scientifically proven methodology. However, their platforms and principles are different. Operant conditioning teaches and encourages expected behavior through reinforcements making it an effective method for puppy training and for dogs wanting to learn expected behavior. CBT acknowledges recognition of expected behavior, being right from wrong, and the ability to make decisions based on perception and learned behavior. Techniques grounded in CBT change perception to change behavior, making it an effective method when working with adolescent and adult dogs who know right from wrong, but choose to not do it, or have learned an alternative behavior which works in their favor and therefore see no reason to change that behavior. When Sarah's parents attempted options one and two, Sarah's behavior worsened. Then they took a completely different approach. They provided her with options, such as letting Tommy know she'll be sharing her crayons in about half an hour with him, or give him half the crayons for 15 minutes and then at that time they can switch crayons. Providing options encourages decision-making, and later that day, Sarah expressed an interest in choosing her own outfit. Sarah now perceived her parents as recognizing what is important to her. Her parents acknowledged further opportunities to teach, guide, and harness her cognitive abilities during activities that were important to Sarah, such as going swimming, eating her lunch in her fort, and visiting her grandma in the senior center. These activities acted as opportunities to teach expected behaviors such as quiet voices and provide options for being polite. These skills can be transferred to more challenging places and situations, such as the grocery store, 
where they do not take snacks or toys to keep her busy or take her home if she's ill-mannered, but instead incorporate her newly learned skills and include her into the activity by providing options and direction. When working with dogs, we cannot use such large concepts as quiet voices or being polite. Canine enrichment exercises and studies performed by scientists on dog cognition prove dogs can think, process, make decisions, calculate, and associate words with objects, among many other cognitive skills. As when parenting children, we need patience, creativity, and the skills to recognize indications of cognitive development. When this happens, we harness these skills and effectively apply them to prevent and address behaviors common with adolescent dogs. We begin by establishing platform skills consisting of opportunity-driven exercises taught using opportunity-driven rewards, which are determined by the dog and change as we progress. Opportunity-driven exercises are established during positive activities, which are comparable to Sarah's desired activities. These occur when your dog can have what he or she wants and provides multiple rewards. For example, if your dog indicates she wants to go for a walk and you want to go for a walk, you can leverage this positive activity to practice the transferable skills. The rewards are many. She wants you to go to the closet. Open the closet. Bring out her leash. Put her leash and harness on her. Walk to the front door and get out the front door. Conditioning methodologies rely on the reward as the transferable element, whereas CBT relies on the skill set as the transferable element. By recognizing and harnessing rewards determined by the dog, we change the dog's perception of us and increase our bond. We have unlimited number of teaching opportunities to establish platform skills. Next, we transfer these skills taught during opportunity-driven exercises to more challenging situations and activities such as the dog park or a play date. These activities further strengthen our platform exercises, allow us to read our dog, provide options, and proactively prevent unwanted behavior. As with Sarah, we do not need to provide contrived rewards, and if the dog is not making our preferred choice, we simply increase the skills in our platform and then creatively apply them. Upward Dogology takes a holistic approach to working with dogs. We do not focus on individual behaviors, but rather on providing proactive direction and options, harnessing cognitive abilities, and recognizing preconceived thought patterns. This mindset is becoming increasingly popular in mainstream dog training. By incorporating upward dogology alongside other non-aversive, proven effective methodologies into mainstream dog training, we can meet the needs of all dogs of all ages and personalities making the adolescent stage a perfect time to increase our bond with our dog. Please check out the revised episodes in Season 1 and Season 3, and feel free to email me at billy at upperdogology.com with any comments or questions. If you've enjoyed these episodes, please share them and provide a rating or review. Education is key to helping dogs, and I appreciate your support in spreading awareness. Thanks to Brian John Harwood and the Jeff Murdoch Band and Open Strum for the music. Please follow all of us on our social media. You can find Upward Dogology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And on LinkedIn, I am Billy Groom. Enjoy your learning journey. 
I wish I could hear what you're thinking You can't say the words, but buddy, I'm listening Just know that I'll never stay mad You're still my good boy 